Radiodrome. Radiodrome episode 58. I am Josh Hadley, and with me as always is Jared Tracker Twinbridge Foils. Absolutely. And Brad will not be joining us tonight. He's actually shooting a snob episode right now. But we do have a special guest with us, the man himself, 42PD. Hey, great to be back on the Radiodrome show. Now we gotta get the we gotta get the uh, promo out of the way first, Pete. I know you used to work selling adult tapes. Did you ever sell any Adam and Eve adult tapes? Oh yeah, yeah, still do. As a matter of fact, they sell the DVDs. See, oh, and cool. Adam and Eve yeah. sponsors our show. If you go oh, to cool. if you go to adamandeve.com and through Valentine's Day, they have a special promo. If you use the code DROME, D R O M E, you get fifty percent off of a single item, free shipping plus a free quote-unquote romance kit, which includes a toy for him, a toy for her, massager, in quotes, we all know what that is, a free mystery gift, and a free DVD. Going to adamandeve.com and using the promo code DROME, and you help Jared and I keep the lights on. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a lot of stuff. I wonder what exactly is in a romance kit. I could always use a romance kit. They, they say my romance is dead around here. It probably yeah. is. All, all, all the promo I've got says is, a toy for him, a massager for her, a DVD, and a free mystery gift. So I don't know what exactly the toy for him might be. That's the yeah, one that's exactly. kind of... that's a frightening concept in itself. And then the mystery gift, who knows who that's for? <laughs> the dog. I hope not. I was hoping it was kind of a people thing, but what are you going to do? Since we got you here, and I, I told Jared to prepare some questions for you, although I don't know if he did. Right, Tracker Twinbridge? Uh... I'd say that's a yes. Uh... <laughs> uh, uh. All right, well, <laughs> all right, well, Pete. This month we we are doing a salute to Forty Second Street, and so who better to have on than Forty Second Street Pete himself, the man who Thank lived you. there? Tell us a a little bit about Forty Second Street, because Jared and I are both way too young to have experienced this, and I'm sure a big chunk of our audience is a little too young to have experienced the real Forty Second Street. You guys are Midwest guys, right? Yes. Jared is Illinois. I'm Wisconsin, yes. Yes, we'd, you would have had a prayer. They would have ate you up and spit you out. It would have been horrible. It would have been just a horrible sight. 42nd Street, let me, I'll give you a little history. I wandered over there, started going over to New York in 68. I was cutting high school and drinking on the raging Greenwich Village. One day I made that uh, sharp left turn outside of Port Authority instead of the right going down the subway. And I was on the corner of 42nd and 8th, and I just looked up 42nd Street, and all you saw was marquees, marquee after marquee after marquee of all this great stuff, biker films, spaghetti westerns, gore films, horror films, women in prison, um, at that time, softcore porn. So it was like, holy man, this is like a moviegoer's wet dream. And that's how it started. Was it always as... I guess the only word I can use is as sleazy as you see in movies like The Exterminator and The New York Ripper, or was it, was it ever kind of respectable? And I'm talking about before it got gentrified. It might have been, you know, I'm only going by when I was over there. Like I said, I started going over in 68, and, like, it was dangerous then. You know, I'm, I'm assuming it was dangerous, you know, in the mid-60s, you know, because you had things playing like Blood Feast and the Flesh Eaters and things like that. So it always had that, you know, aura of menace. But, you know, myself, I'm six foot two. I was over 200 something pounds back then. I wasn't anybody to f around with and I wasn't that much of a mark. I mean, I got, I got robbed the first time I was over there a couple of times. I was a high school kid and stuff. But then 
you know, once you get out of high school and I started getting, you know, back in the hippie days, I started growing my hair, growing my beard and stuff. And like I said, I was a big dude. So they think twice about really trying to do anything with me. You know, it, 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 it's funny you should say that because I'm that that is exactly my measurement. Six foot two, 235. I don't really consider myself a big dude. I just early on, I learned to project sort of an aura of, you know, menace like that, you know, don't with me attitude, you know, or something bad will happen to you. Okay. Or always, you know, just I, I played the game. That was the whole thing. So I see. And I was big, huge and hairy, which you know, was frightening to people. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I've heard on your show you tell some stories. You've got a lot of funny prostitute 42nd Street stories, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, tons of it. That was, that was a lot of, you know, a big part of it back then. You know, just, uh, you know, you come of age, and it was like, like I said, I was big, fat, and hairy, and like, you know, really not really dateable back then, but for 15 bucks, she was yours for 20 minutes, you know? It's a wonderful thing. What do you think caused the downfall of 42nd Street? Do you think it was literally gentrification, or do you think the sort of aura of menace and crime that had infested that area for so long just finally became too much, and the city said, we've had it with this street? No, it, it was a three, three-pronged sword. First off, home video, when that came in, into play, there was no reason to go to see these movies in a dangerous movie theater. You could just rent a cassette. Second thing was AIDS, because they were using that as, as a means to close up a lot of places, you know, open sex and, you know, things like that. First places to go were, of course, the gay bathhouses, the gay theaters. Then they would, what they would do was they would put undercover cops in these legit movie theaters. And if they saw any cruising going on between, you know, guys, they'd use that as an excuse to padlock the place. And, you know, the second thing was, the real real estate was too valuable. What, what had happened was the porn guys had locked up a lot of these places on these, multi-year leases so they were really hard to get rid of but like you know as soon as the leases ran out that was it bang they were gone so it was inevitable it was just it hit the late 80s it, it was just a you know a, a boarded up shell of itself and like um one of my last memories was you know the marquee at the liberty make them die slowly and back in i think it was 82 because that's when the area just started like slowly dying so it was very prophetic to me when i was when i talked to james glickenhaus his movie Shakedown, he says he thinks that was one of the last films shot on on the real 42nd Street prior to the gentrification. Do you, do you remember Shakedown with... Yeah, I've, I've seen that. He, he's probably right. I, I know they had done that whole thing with that Schwarzenegger film, that Last Action Hero or something, where they all of a sudden reopened everything for like, you know, just to shoot the movie. Yeah, it was either the Last Action Hero. It was some Schwarzenegger film, but everybody was going, what the hell did they do that for? Because they put all these fake titles up, like Brain Basher and things. That one other one, a riot on 42nd Street, that was sort of like close to the end. What were some of your fondest memory movie memories from 42nd Street? Since you were there at its prime, what were some of the movie memories you would not ever give up that you saw on 42nd Street? Well, one was having an argument with the guys I was with one night over what to see. I wanted to see Equinox and Master of Terror. Master of Terror was actually 4D Man retitled. And being that I had dragged the same crew to I Drink Your Blood, I Eat Your Skin in a Drive-In two weeks before that, they were none too happy with my choices of, of uh, viewing. But they wanted to see this biker film, Hell's Angels 69, but it happened to be playing with Spirits of the Dead. So I'm like, all right, I'm outvoted like, you know, five to one, so I'll go along with it. So, okay, you know. So the movie ends. They're starting to get up. I go, where are you going? They go, we're leaving. Well, I go, it's a double feature, dude. I want to see Spirits of the Dead. And they go, well, we don't. And I said, well, great. I got the keys. I'm staying. 
So it was one of the most long, drawn-out movies I had ever seen, but I just did this to piss them off. That was one. Seeing, you know, is now Jungle Holocaust on DVD is um, Last Cannibal World paired off with I Drink Your Blood at the Liberty Theater. And I Drink Your Blood was on the bottom. And just the audience reaction to that whole thing is, you know, when they um, split the chicken half and started cooking her and stuff, people just lost their stuff. That was insane. All the cannibal films I ever saw over there just invoked this whole flatlining of the audience where people were just like dumbstruck. Was, was it the same way with the adult films? I mean, like, was it really the raincoat kind of crowd that you saw in Taxi Driver? Um, yeah, but, you know, see, I, I have this problem with adult films. Is like I remember most of the exploitation horror and all that stuff because I was never that trash when I saw I was like trash, but not that trash. But usually when we hit the adult films, we were like, putrefied really didn't pay that much attention to anybody around me as long as they didn't come near me yeah but, you don't want to worry about the sticky seats or or what what might be on the floor that you yeah, just stepped on exactly and, and most of these places like them they were kept pitch black there was no lights on during intermission so you'd have to go in there and like just stand there till your eyes got accustomed to the whole thing otherwise you never you wind up sitting on top of somebody that's how dark it was yeah, they, they were wonderful places. I had to spend the night in the Venus one time, more than once, I should say, but, you know, different things happen. Well, I mean, I hate to keep bringing up this one movie, but like in Shakedown, one of the characters lived in a 42nd Street movie theater. He just bought the kept buying the tickets and sleeping in the theater, and then he'd go into the bathroom and brush his teeth. That, that's, that's, that's common stuff going on like that. You know, a lot of the, you know, they weren't homeless then, they were derelicts. They were basically, a lot of people, you know, a lot of them were mental cases, a lot of people were complete alcoholics, a lot of them were just people that just dropped out of society and were living on the street, and they were survivors. I mean, you know, for a buck fifty, you're in out of the rain, you know, you stay there all day. Yeah, cause that was actually one of the selling points for, I think, in the mid-70s, wasn't it, uh, um, air conditioning, that, that they sold yeah. more tickets just because they were an air-conditioned place, you could spend three hours for a buck fifty? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then after five o'clock, it was uh, $3, $3 in the afternoon, and it was $5 after. And the funny part was, you know, a lot of people, and you probably wondered this yourself, why did these open at like, you know, eight, nine o'clock in the morning? The answer is a lot of people worked the night shift and got off and they wanted, didn't want to go home. They wanted to, you know, grab some breakfast and go check out a movie. Well, because so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm mad that people like Jared and myself missed that era, that we were just born and i'm a little older than jared and jared and i just missed that you know jared wouldn't you have loved to have lived in the 42nd street era where you could go and have done stuff like that yes and no it, uh, i think it would have been uh would have been nice to have that ha uh have that option but i don't think i i really would have frequented it uh, all that much i guarantee brad would have well yeah what are what are some of your your worst memories some like movies that you just you feel you wasted 90 minutes of your life going to see that back in the heyday. Oh, there was a lot of those. Funny, you know, it, it's, fun, <laughs> it's funny, though, as you get older and you rewatch some stuff, especially because they've restored stuff that was taken out, and that's why you thought it sucked. You get, you get a better appreciation. Like, I thought Burial Ground, you know, when I saw that, that I thought that was a complete waste, waste of my life because I couldn't see anything. It was that dark, and then they restore it. It's like daylight. And it's like, well, that might have been cool if there was a, you know, middle ground. Yeah, I thought that was a waste when I first saw it. There was a couple. The Forest was one, you know, that was, you know, a horrible movie. 
you, you know, the funny part is, like I say, how your tastes change. I, I I would be down on a lot of a lot of this Euro stuff that played on the bottom half of double bills in the in you know the late sixties, early seventies, strictly because it was Euro. But then I, I got a better appreciation for it now. So to me, it's really good stuff. Something like Slaughter of the Vampires, where they retitle it Curse of the Blood Ghouls, and I go in there and it's playing on a double bill with um, Pyre Beast Craves Blood, and of course. Ghouls, Night of the Living Dead. Oh, it's another ghoul movie. This will be great. And you're sitting there, okay, Vampire Beast ends, and all of a sudden it's like, man, this is on Channel 9 every damn Saturday night, at least once a month. So, yeah, that was another one. Do you remember when Joe Bob Briggs was on the Jay Leno show for the first time, and he was talking about 42nd Street, and he said one of his fondest memories was going to the movie theater that always was showing that great movie, Three Kung Fu Classics. That's all they ever put on the marquee was always showing Three Kung Fu Classics. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't say that. It was always Kung Fu stuff. I think that was the Bijou, I think. I, I, you know, I might have the wrong name. It was sandwiched in between one big grindhouse and blackjack books, I think. And the fun part about that was they'd have stuff like Killer Snakes playing with Kung Fu movies. And, you know, the brothers would walk in thinking, oh, Killer Snakes, what's a Kung Fu hole? Then they'd see what it is and like, what the hell is this? What the hell was Black Magic? Because uh, they were all used to seeing kung fu, and you know every, all these kung fu things had, you know, weird like sometimes horror horror movies like Flying Guillotine, for example. You know, you never knew what you were going to see, but they always thought it was like a kung fu thing. So they get sucked into some of these Asian horror movies, and they didn't like them at all. Well, do you, do you think that we've kind of lost the whole ideal of what Forty Second Street was? Like when a movie like Grindhouse came out, and not only that it failed when I don't think it should have. But also the fact that there were numerous reports from all around the country of people not understanding what a double bill was and leaving after Planet Terror. Do you think right. we've kind of lost the whole idea of a grindhouse to to a modern yeah. audience? Well you, well, you know what it is, and I just I, I just said this before because I, I just had my my show was just had a friend of mine crying time, Amy Lee. She, she's a former wrestler on. And the whole thing is, everybody today, all these kids today have a video game mentality or something that has to happen, like, boom, boom, real quick. And Instagram. that isn't Grindhouse. And the whole thing is, you know, being who I am, I could sit through that movie. I understood what they were doing. But my story is, I went into this one theater, was playing in two, two theaters in one of these multiplexes. I walked into one theater. There was only one person sitting there. I'm like, this is creepy. I walked into the other theater. I counted. There was 14 people besides me. After Planet Terror, there was like 10 people, and halfway through um, uh, Death Proof, it was three people, including me. The explanation is I'm conditioned to sit through these. I used to sit through all-night shows, you know? I'm well, conditioned to do that. Other people aren't. They, they just, you know, especially if it's like older stuff or, you know, slower-moving stuff, they can't handle it. Death Proof, be fair, was kind of slow, like, at, at the first part. You know, there was there was a whole lot of dialogue. They were sitting around in a diner. And it was just kind of like, all right, can, can we can we do something? Can, can that, somebody... That would have never worked at a grindhouse. And, and actually, the whole thing was, I understand something, too. You know, when it, when it, it was supposed to be Thunderbolt or something, but he slapped that, you know, black title over there. It said death proof. Right. Yeah. I remember you, you saw Sun Thunderbolt for like four frames or something. It was so fast. Yeah. They would do that with certain stuff in Europe. And I've even found, I, you know, they came in from Europe. Like I found something. It's a Cameron Mitchell film that has a, a sticker slapped over the original title. So they would change it to try to make it work over here. So, you know, that was maybe a little bit of a homage to that because I've seen it. Oh, well, perfect example was um, when they put out City of the Dead as Gates of Hell. 
it just dropped in a black frame that said Gates of Hell. Motion Picture Marketing presents Gates of Hell. That was a common thing they would do, especially in Grindhouse things. But that that movie, you know, the way he did that thing, that would have never flew. That that would have been like it would have started Wednesday and would have been on the, on the return bin by Thursday because they knew it wouldn't have drawn anything. Planet Terror, I think, I think would have worked though back then. Oh yeah, Planet Terror was great. That that's that would have worked. Well, Planet Terror was fun. I mean, there there was there was a lot going on in Planet Terror. You know, it's it's just like I said, Death Proof. You know, you you started off and and there's a whole lot of talking and they're in a diner. You know, it's not until the last fifteen twenty minutes of the movie that that you're actually like having a really good time. So so you know, you got to give kudos to those people that that sat through the dialogue, the the tons of dialogue before because the ending really was a good payoff. Girls kicking the crap out of Kurt Russell. People, yeah. people would have rioted and burned the theater. That wasn't worth waiting for. People well, wanted to why, see. Why? Why do you think they would have? They would have rioted and burned the theater. Well, it, it was. It just. It just. The payoff wasn't there. You know, they, people wanted to see him get killed. Not and he did. Ah, not that. Though, not that way. That was. That was goofy. Any. Any. Anybody. Uh, I've seen movie movies like that where people crapped all over it. It just. You know. It, it builds up to a certain thing and it has like a really crappy ending and like you know just slow off like that and it just doesn't work that's my opinion i'm just saying but i've, I've seen it happen the whole thing with grind with grindhouse audiences and I don't, I don't think you can get away with this today at least you know i haven't tried it where we would talk back to the damn movie and nobody would tell us to shut up so you had like a, a little show you know it could be the worst crappiest movie going but you'd have a show within a show which was cool sometimes well yeah i mean I, and i think that's even that's partially true today uh i mean if if there really is a bad movie playing like like you know the happening or or zookeeper i don't think anybody's really going to care that somebody uh in there is talking back to the movie yeah but nowadays yeah. Look, look at like the alamo draft house they kicked out that one girl for texting did you see her venom filled voicemail that they left her and then they they went and put that on youtube <laughs> I, I didn't see that. I, I, in fact, you, you kind of lost me on that. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, the Alamo Draft House, which is probably as close to a grindhouse theater as we're ever going to get in the modern era, they have a strict no-cell-phones policy. And this uh-huh. one girl would not turn her cell phone off and kept texting during the movie. So they stopped the movie, they kicked her out, and then she called and left this just random words i mean it was so inarticulate her screaming at them that they're assholes and then to retaliate against her they popped her voicemail up on youtube and said this is the kind of person that texts texts in a theater wow oh that's cool (laughs) and then now they actually play her voicemail before each movie as the please turn your cell phones off commercial oh that's funny yeah, I was wondering if you guys actually enjoy treating your customers like a piece of shit, because that's how I felt when I went to the Alamo Draft House. Okay? You know what? I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to text in your little crappy-ass theater. It was too fucking dark in that place for me to find my seat, all right? I was using my phone as a flashlight to get to my fucking seat. So excuse me for using my phone in USA, United States of America, where you are free to text in a theater. I was not aware that I couldn't text in your theater, all right? I've texted in all the other theaters in Austin, and no one ever gave a f- about what me I was doing in my fucking phone, all right? And it was on silent. 
It wasn't on loud. It wasn't bothering anybody. You guys, obviously, were being assholes to me, and I'm sure that's what you do, you know, to rip people off. You take my money, and then you throw me out. You know, I will never be coming back to your Alamo draft house or whatever. I'd rather go to a regular theater where people are actually polite. And, it, you know, I'm going to tell everyone about how shitty you are. And I'm pretty sure you guys are being assholes on purpose. So thanks for making me feel like a customer. Thanks for taking my money, asshole. That, you know, you don't text in the movie theater. <laughs> that, is, that is funny. But, but, like, the movie Grindhouse, if that had worked, I'd heard Tarantino and Rodriguez talked about how they wanted to make different Grindhouse features. Like, this one was more of a horror exploitation. They wanted to do, like, a Star Wars ripoff type Grindhouse and a sexploitation one. Do you think, had this one have wor- had worked, that those would work? Or do you think audiences were kind of looking at this as, like, just a one-trick pony? It, it, it would, if it had worked, yeah, of course they would have made other ones, but the whole, the whole thing was that thing lost so much money when it opened up. That's why cable was running. It seemed like every night it was on cable. You know, then they, they released one. The funny part was, he, he, here was the telling tale for me. They released Planet Terror ahead of Death Proof, I think it was, on DVD. Let me try to remember right. I, I, I believe it, I bought it first, so I think I, that might be the order it okay. came out because I bought Planet Terror first. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know what happened, but I went up when Death Proof had come out, and, it, and they maybe the both of them had been out for about a month. When I went to get it, the whole display, all it had was Death Proof. There was no Planet Terror. Right. I, the, I think the only way you can get the full, both movies together, plus all the trailers, is the Blu-ray, I believe. Yeah, so I, I, I bought a bootleg at a flea market. I, I, made, I made my own. I, I took the each of the prints. I took the the trailers that I had from a bootleg, and I made my own DVD where it, it had the the theme playing over the menu. You could watch the trailers individually, or each movie, or watch them all at once. I made my own really nice custom bootleg DVD of that. Well, actually, they did they get they get a spinoff out of that Machete. Right. I don't know Machete. I had issues with. I loved the trailer and the trailer for the actual movie. I just don't think the movie itself actually lived up to either one of its trailers. No, but see, here's the thing with that type of film. It rarely does. I mean, if you see the trailer for Slithis, you've seen the whole movie. Right. Well, that's the other thing I wanted to ask you about 42nd Street. How many trailers did they usually cram in between the movies or before the movie or anything like that? Because everything I've read, they're like, oh, man, trailers were everywhere. They used trailers to pad out the running times. Is that true? Nah. I never saw it like that. You'd, you'd see what was, if something was coming up, it was only going to be two movies. So that's all you'd see trailers for is two movies. At least that's what I always saw. So it wouldn't be those and things. Maybe, where, where maybe, they... maybe if they're talking about an adult thing, yeah, maybe. I, I just picked up one, one of the reels Um, I just put out on my Night at the Venus has a trailer at the end of one of the films that has nothing to do with anything. And as far as I know, never played at the Venus. That's the other thing. The thing with the trailers and, and the advertising and all that. Did you ever, did you ever know what was at the theater before going to the theater? Did you ever know, like, oh, next week they're getting, you know, Satanic Rites of Dracula, or was it just let's let's go down to the Venus or or whatever it is and let's see what's playing, or they're showing this, let's go to this specific theater? No, it was never anything specific unless it was something like word of mouth, like uh, Ilsa Shewolf of the SS, like some guy walked in a bar and he goes, you you gotta, you gotta go see this stuff. You ain't gonna believe this bleep, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, fine. So we, you know, word of mouth. We went to see Ilsa and it lived up to our expectations. The other one was, you know what it was too? Here, here's something you guys don't remember because you're too young. They used to have incessant raid with this stuff. 
like uh, the Beast of Blood, they were incessantly plugging that, you know, day and night on the radio, on AM radio with the rock stations. Same with uh, Ted Michaels' Spend the Night in the Grave, the three movies. So you'd hear about this, and then you go, oh, it's playing over there. Let's go check it out, you know? So you were, you were basically, if you did a work week and you were allowed to listen to AM radio during your job, you'd hear this stuff over and over again to the point you got programmed to say, oh, let's go check this out this weekend. So I never looked in at what, what, you know, what the timetables were or anything. You basically, not that they were open 24-7, but those places, just when they started, they just ran the movies nonstop till they closed. It was like never any intermission. The trailers were your intermission. If you wanted to get up and, you know, get food during the trailer, that's what you did. Was but, the was the food safe or was it a place that you really did not want to eat the hot dog or the popcorn from? Some places were, you know, in, in an adult one, you didn't want to eat anything, you know, forget it. You just, some place, a couple of these places had really good candy counters and stuff and popcorn, you know, and not that I, you know, it's, it's you know, the, the wino diet, you know, two hot dogs for a buck. They're readable, but you know, like I said, when you, when you're half half in the bag, anything looks good. But I never really tried to, to indulge that much. I need licorice for some reason. I don't know why. I can't remember that licorice and coconut stuff they used to have. But well, and movies were just so much affordable, more more affordable back then. Yeah, it was like ninety nine cents during the day. Yeah, and you you get two two features out of that. Now ninety nine cents, you're not even going to get a soda for ninety nine yeah. cents nowadays. It's it, it's ridiculous. Oh, they used to have, uh, I remember the, the big one that really, like really, if you wanted to kill a day, spend an evening with Clint Eastwood, uh, the $3 films, of course, they abbreviated the good, the bad, and the ugly a little bit and hang them high. I can remember coming out at dawn after seeing that. You, you could so, go in drunk and come out sober. Yeah. You could bring stuff in. They really, you know, they really checked you as long as you weren't rowdy about it. You know, they didn't care. Did, did they, did they mind if you toked up right in the theater? Nah, not at all. One of the funniest things that ever happened was we we were doing one of these um it was one of these midnight shows with you know blooper reels uh, three stooges stuff well you know all kinds of crazy stuff just a whole mixed bag of stuff we sent one of the guys up to the snack bar to get something to drink so I'm sitting there going you know it's been like 20 minutes where the hell is he all of a sudden he comes back with a case of beer and they reach home I go what did you do and he goes well they said the thing was broken so they go across the street and get something to drink and he said this is what I brought back nobody stopped him <laughs> try that today. Yeah, I know. Do you lament that 42nd Street is gone, or do you think it was a product of its time and it was time to move on, or is it something you really wish would come back? I mean, you as somebody who's been there, I can only speak for myself, and I'll ask Jared in a moment. I It's something I wish would come back if it would come back and show the same kind of movies. You know, if it would show those drive-in type movies, I would want it back. But you, having as, having been someone that lived through it, are you kind of glad it's gone, or do you want it back? No, you know, if I could go back in time and relive the era, it would be great. But as far as bringing it back as it was now, it would never work. And, you know, it, 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 people aren't, you know, as much as we like, you know, what it was and those of us who have been there, and it, it's getting fewer and fewer as the years go by, That you know, the people like who were really involved with it, like uh, we lost uh, Bill Landis, um, a lot of the guys who used to write about it don't write anymore. Uh, you know, Frank Henenlotter still works and lives there. You know, so does Jack Ketchum. Uh, Joel Reed's still over there. But, you know, it's just sad because, you know, it, it, the whole subculture, if you want to call it that, was like a mindset that, like, started for me in the mid-60s, even though I was still a young kid and never got over there. But, you know, when I did get over there, you know, late the late 60s and stayed there, you know, it was just like the whole – the whole underbelly of the whole thing, you know, the, the hookers, the sex, 
the peep shows, the after hours bars, the clubs, you know, the drugs, the booze, everything. It just was like this whole kaleidoscope of stuff that I did. It would never work today. You know, we got away with more because it was new. And that was the whole thing. It was all new then. Now it's a curiosity now. And a lot of people like it. But as far as, you know, going into a foul smelling movie theater to see this or going into a beer and a shot joint, hoping you don't get banged over the head because it flashed too much cash at the bar. You know, it, it, it would never happen again. What about you, Jared? Is that something you'd want brought back, or, or do you think it was something you'd rather just read about in the book in a magazine? Gosh, that, uh, that's that's kind of hard to tell because I mean, it, it it sounds intriguing. I, I think if anything, it might be something. It, it might be something to visit. You know what I mean? It might be something like it'd be nice to visit. I don't know if uh, it, it would be something on a on a regular basis. You know. No, I, I understand what you mean. Like, I, like I say, the only way you know it would work for me is 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 a time machine because it was a lot. I was a lot happier back then, and like uh, there was no restrictions. You know, if you got caught doing something, you got you got caught smoking weed or something. Yeah, you get busted or stuff. I didn't get caught. I was lucky, but you know, it was where I could buy I could buy an ounce of weed for twenty five bucks. I could buy a quart bottle of wine for ninety eight cents. I I could you know go with a hooker for ten bucks. You know, go check out, you know, sit in the movies all day for 99 cents. You know, like I, I get lost in the whole thing. You know, I was it was a lot happier time for me then. And, you know, just a lot more fun. Then I got caught up in all the madness, became part of me and, you know, uh, bounced in and out of there up until 2003. So it was a big part of my life. But it was all changed and it all, you know, everything changes. You know, it's uh, the shame of it is, you know, just, just to screw those buildings up just because of the architecture and just how, you know, grandiose they were and how garish they were. You know, just to lose all that too. But you know, and sad part was not a lot of people took a lot of pictures of this stuff. I think everybody had my mind. You know, in the back of my mind, I said it's never going to end, but it did. We were like, you know, myself, Liquidators, Screw, Al Goldstein, you know, Show World, a couple other places. We were like the last baston, and it's you know, it's done. It's over. I'm in Ohio now. You know, I'm not even over there anymore. I had to go see a buddy of mine. I went over there. um Right before Thanksgiving, I couldn't believe it. it cost me thirty dollars in tolls to go from Jersey to Queens. Uh, what part of Ohio? Um, right outside of Cleveland. Uh, were you at the uh, Horrorhound convention? In, no, I do in, Cinema Wasteland in Cincinnati. Oh, okay, Cinema Wasteland. Right on. Yeah. Well, because Pete, I was going to ask you. You know, you took the name Forty Second Street, Pete. W- was was that sort of an homage, or just kind of a you want to remember? Actually, it was a joke on something weird video that backfired and happened. Um, what happened was going back, you know, we were wheeling and dealing days. I traded him eight millimeter loops for VHS tapes because I had a video store then. I said, what are you doing to introduce these things? And he goes, oh, you know, you just got Bucky Beaver. So me just goofing around, decided to call myself 42nd Street Pete, put on, you know, the trench coat, the hat, the glasses, you know, screwing around with a camcorder. I shot like this 10 minute, you know, introduction and i sent it to him me back and he got your tape and i i said yeah and i'm thinking did i piss him off or something and he goes oh no i got you on, on these I, got, I want you to write about this stuff so i never had you know written anything in my life i always aspired to do so wound up writing you know th- these reviews for this eight millimeter stuff and then frank kennelotter had asked me to write you know a whole article for the you know the first something where blue book and i gave him 32 handwritten pages so uh i progressed since then and you know Unbeknownst to me, the gimmick worked. You know, it stayed. So I'm happy with it. You know, it typecast me sometimes, you know, and uh, people look at you weird. But, hey, you know something? 
if what I'm doing is keeping the memories of this whole thing alive, because, you know, so many people aren't around anymore to say anything about it. And like I say, as the years goes by, you know, we lose more, more and more. You know, I was fortunate to meet, you know, Jamie Gillis toward the end of his life. And none of us knew at that point that he was very sick and he was going to, you know, pass away soon. You know, same with Marilyn Chambers and, you know, a bunch of other people. So uh, you got to treasure the people that are still around them. I'm just like, as much as I bitch and moan about a lot of things that go on in my life, I try to keep the memories alive. So that's where I'm at. Well, and then how did you get drug into the hellhole that is Jackalope Radio? And and Todd's listening, so that's for the audience, that's a shot at Todd because he's eavesdropping. <laughs> well, he had contacted me on, I think it was originally MySpace. And, I, you know, I, I had seen his stuff years ago, and I knew who he was. And then um, he had had me as a guest on Nightwatch, and then he had an in, infamous shoot where I just ripped this kid's uh, sphincter to pieces verbally. And then he, he said... It was just this thing too. He was involved with it with his this uh, goofball, and he kept saying about a radio show, radio show. And then this guy emails me about buying five thousand dollars worth of equipment stuff. I went on my one of my little internet tirades about you know dangling carrots in front of people and how everybody sucks, yada yada. You know we all know how I get. Todd calls me up and he goes, "Oh no, we're going to do a show." And I go, "Don't worry about it. I wasn't talking about you." And he goes, "Oh, do a show." And I'm, I said, "Don't worry about it. I wasn't. You know, I'm not mad at anybody." Calls me up and he goes, you ready to tape a show? And I go, you're serious? And he goes, yeah. And I go, all right. Call me back in five minutes. I got to smoke a joint and get some ideas here. So, And, you know, it, being, you know, being on Jackalope is almost as, you know, as fun as getting ass raped in prison. But I stay with it because I'm just into pain and suffering. So, I don't think I've ever heard it put more succinctly than that. I know Todd because wants to turn his mic on so much right now. There's Eastern Standard Time, there's Central Time, there's whatever time, and there's Todd Time. Oh, yes, I know how late Todd Time can go. You don't know how many times. Hey, give me five more minutes, bro. Yeah. The man never sleeps and he doesn't do drugs. Go figure. <laughs> and he's obsessed with Batman. Is he still there? Are you there, Todd? No. no. Uh, he would have <laughs> jumped on <laughs> He, he must have recorded and just <laughs> and just went went and did something else. <laughs> yeah, I know. I warned him I was going to rip on him. <laughs> I'm here. Oh, Todd is there. there. Is. Hey, there he is. <laughs> so, how much did you hear? Uh, I've been cleaning, so I didn't hear a whole lot. What's up? N nothing. We were saying <laughs> very nice things. You would <laughs> verbally sodomize, so go with the <laughs> Well, you know, the best one he ever did was he called me at Wasteland was in the middle of doing a panel, and I held up the phone, and I go, say hi, Todd. Hi, Todd. That was great. Oh, yeah, you had fun. Refused to put that show back up in the archives. I've got three shows on Jackalope now, and you're the reason that I found Jackalope. I, I found, reason? yeah, I found your show and started listening to that, and then out of that, I decided to contact Todd to start Lost in the Static. Yeah. So you're the reason I found Jackalope for the first time. Don't hold it against me. Yeah. Oh, 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 trust me, your day is coming, Bucko. I know it's 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 coming down already. That's why I'm already uh, it's midnight. I'm trying to drink a bottle of Shiraz or whatever this crap is. See, for Todd and Jared and I, it's only eleven. Yeah, no. Well, Todd stays up all hours of the night. Then he puts on the Batman suit and slinks around in hospital parking lots. What the hell? <laughs> I thought you were only going to interject when it was necessary. Well, you guys were hollering at me, so I came back. <laughs> Your show is obviously one of the anchors of Jackalope. You know, I wanted to tell you on the air that your show is the reason I found the station. Is I, I heard you, and I'm not trying to get you off on a tirade, I heard you when Cinemageddon first screwed you over, 
and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta hear what this guy has to say. And so I started listening to all your backlogs over what Cinemageddon did to you. Well, they, 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 they succeeded. I, I quit doing stuff. So, yeah. I just recently, I got some DVDs from Alternative Cinema of yours not too long ago. Yeah, that was the end of it, I think. What was it? The, the Night at the Venus? I think that was one of them. Because I've got a bunch of your DVDs, and I don't mean to insult you, but I haven't paid for any of them because I'm on Alternative Cinema's review screener list. Okay. So I've got a bunch of your stuff. I did not bootleg them, but I did not pay for them either. No, whatever they do, they do. Sometimes I don't pay for my own stuff. I know you and I are going to be on a panel on Movies Hate You coming up in a week or two about torrents. Oh, great. Yeah, you and I are on opposite sides of that, so I hope we don't walk away enemies. No, but I'll tell you, Lee will trip over his dick and piss me off because he always does. It's it's one thing to do you know, be sneaky about it and stuff like that, but don't put it on the table when the guy's selling you, the guy who originally actually owns it and is selling it is like two rows behind you, you know? Well, okay, uh, th- that's something else I wanted to talk to you about. When you became a VHS distributor, when you had your own video store and that, was did you do that because of your love of the movies from going to 42nd Street and all that? Yeah, I became was... an addict. You know, it, it's funny. I, I just, I'm a movie addict, and what happened was I started wheeling and dealing video to feed my own habit. Because part of the deal was I go in and buy out these stores. And you got to remember, anybody who was going out of business and they offered the stuff to the public, the first stuff they're going to grab is all the A titles. I didn't want that. I wanted all the dreck. So I could walk in where they were they were selling, you know, the, the A titles for 20 and $30 still and wipe out all the B stuff for 5 bucks across the board. At one point, I had over I had over a thousand, you know, genre VHS and, you know, and that not even counting the wrestling stuff, so. Yeah, when I had the video store, that was that fed my habit because people would bring stuff in. And even at liquidators, I used to love to work the front because people would bring stuff in to sell. I'm like, how did I miss this? Because it never got to the back. That's why. <laughs> See, that, that that's the way I would be. If, if I ran a video store or if Brad ran a video store, we'd keep all the good stuff for ourselves and there'd never be anything to sell to the customer. Yeah, what happened was Norman used to call me up and he goes, get over here at 7 o'clock. You're going to have first crack. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. So I'd shoot over there, and he'd have some great stuff, and I'd just call out all the big box horror stuff. Do you still have any of that stuff? Yeah, I was a dope. I sold it for dirt. That's... I needed the room. I see. Me and Frank Henenlotter had this thing going on. We swore we weren't going to get into DVDs. We swore. We, we all we all made that back. swear, Pete. We all made that swear that we refused to yeah. upgrade. Yeah, then he walked into liquidators. He goes, I did it. I go, did what? He goes, it looks wonderful. I'm like, tell me you didn't, because if you did, I have to. Yeah, that's how it started. But anyway, I had so much stuff. I, I, I was moving. I was having like, you know, wife problems and crap. Like I had to get rid of some of it. And then I, oof, who knew big box VHS would be collectible? It's like saying eight tracks are collectible. So you, you, you really regret getting rid of some of that stuff? Oh yeah. I probably could. <laughs> I got like three, four hundred hours for some of the shit I sold for half a buck. I'll never forget one time when I was when I was fooling around with something weird video when they were they were at one of the conventions. VHS, the eight track of the future. And see, so, we're we're all VHS collectors. I mean, I only, I only got one. I got a couple of VHS. I'm not going to get rid of them. I got Jungle Holocaust and a Meat Hook. I got I think it's Wizard of Gore and HG signed it. Ooh. I got Corpse Grinders. Ted signed that. Those I'm keeping. Brad just did Corpse Grinders not too long ago on his show. Oh yeah, yeah. He he just uh, did a review of that on, on his show not too long ago. The original, right? Is there a remake? I know there's sequels. I didn't think there was a remake. No, there's, there's sequels. I, I, that's one thing. I, I was I was talking to Ted um, one time, and I said, you know, 
if anything screamed for a remake, it was that. I mean, uh, remember the whole deal with the tainted cat food coming out of China? Right. There's your hook. Uh, I, I can see it like that. I've never seen any of the sequels. Same with Astro Zombies. I know there's like five or six sequels to those. I've never seen any of those. I love Ted. I really do. He he is so passionate about what he does. And, you know, some of the stuff, you know, like he's using a colander with Christmas lights as a helmet. He's he's still in, in he still has the spirit of the grindhouse and he still is enthusiastic about making movies and the guy's like pushing eighty as as he was back in the day. I'm probably gonna have mine pretty soon. He did he's doing the Am- A- Astro Zombies whatever it is Attack from Cyberspace. Uh, I haven't seen that one. I don't think it's out yet. What he did was he sold producer credits to all these people around the world for a hundred bucks a piece. Oh, I heard that one. Yeah, yeah. So I guess they all shot a little scene of, like, Astro Zombies in China or Astro He goes, I have people. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, I've, I've seen know? that. I've seen that. It's a great gimmick. I mean, he's an all-time showman. It's a great gimmick. And if people are willing to pony up $100 to be part of a Ted Michaels film, God bless him. Yeah, because um, a, a friend of mine, Mr. Lobo, he, he, he did one of those. All of a sudden... Uh, he got a bunch of props or some costumes or something like that in the mail, and it's like here, here's the stuff to film your your segment or or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. He is a perfect example of they don't have showmen like that anymore. But like you were yeah. you were saying, they don't have this stuff. They don't have this stuff anymore, and that's no. the problem. There's no there's no ballyhoo. I mean, Dave, Dave Friedman, you know, God rest his soul, he was a master of ballyhoo. I mean. It's like, you know, he, he could take a turd and put a bow on it, and he could sell it. Half the time, you know, his his shoots were raided by cops, and he talked to cops into being in the film. He, he was amazing. You know, the, you know like these these guys, one guy who, who still has it would be Fred Olin Ray, because he, he's like, he was, you know, um, a student of these guys. And, you know, like, Dave was always a mentor to all of us. And, you know, he, he was a smart guy, really smart guy. It's a shame we lost him. But, you know, Yard of Ballyhoo, I mean, he will, yeah, another one, William Castle. Well, all the gimmicks he was doing was was all that was that was all that stuff Forty Second Streety or was that? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. All of them, you know, you didn't have specific, you know, going back to when Castle was doing this stuff because that was the fifties and stuff. They were starting to tailor certain stuff toward drive-ins, but his stuff was always tailored toward indoors. You know, okay. Four-walk. Okay. Because he had, you know, the thing with wiring up the seats and the skeletons right. and, you know, all the other stuff. I, I was, I was, I was thinking that kind of stuff, that just really wouldn't have worked in, in such kind of a low class neighborhood as like 42nd Street. They would have stolen all the buzzers. Well, you know, it was different. It was different back in the fifties. It, it wasn't that nuts then. Well, yeah, he was still making movies into the sixties and they were rerunning his stuff well into the sixties. Yeah, but they weren't, they weren't gimmicking it out like, uh, you know, in, in the theaters and stuff. I mean, I saw his stuff. At- Bad days back in the uh, early sixties. Oh, they, yeah. they weren't do, they weren't doing running the gimmicks anymore. They, they and when they first came out, they'd run the gimmick, and that was it. But then when they you know reran the stuff, I mean, we got to see. So I saw actually saw Creature from the Black Lagoon or Revenge of the Creature without the three D on, on a you know a matinee. See, I think the first time I saw Revenge of the Creature three D was that that, that big nineteen eighty four showing when when they showed it in eighty four hosted by Elvira. Maybe. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, I remember that. I think that was the first time that that I did that one uh, that I saw. Yeah, that. they 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 pump them back out to the theaters on a re-releases flat, you know, because they would they wouldn't you know they they do the gimmick initially and then they you know, if they pumped it back out again they wouldn't do the gimmick like Beast of Blood they walked around dropping phony ten dollar bills all over New York. You picked <laughs> it up, opened it up, and there was the Beast head with it with it you know the money thing was. 
ten dollars <laughs> worth of trills. Go see Beast of Blood. Unfortunately, we got to go. Todd is uh, messaging me saying, "You got yet a couple of minutes. I got to hit the road." Todd's being a little slave driver here, and I know he can hear me. So, <laughs> oh, Jared, Damn you're right. back. Five. Yeah, shows. I'm back. I'm back. Just in time to just in time for us to wrap it up. Because <laughs> all, all of a sudden, I get a message from Jared. Hooray for crashing computers. Yes. So it's yes. like th- that's uh, that's why Jared vanished. Just oh. suddenly, my computer uh, crashes. It it's been doing that for the last couple days. So I'm I've got some some maintenance to do this week. I guess. Good thing I'm recording on my end then. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to say thank you, Pete, for stopping by. And you know, I'm, I'm Brad would have loved to have talked to you, but like I said, he's in the middle of shooting right now. So hey, you can always drag me back on. You know, no problem. As long as it's not too late, because. Todd was yelling at me. You can't keep him up that late. He's an old man. Oh, I could say that. If you, I, I, you know what it is. I haven't <laughs> slept like in three days. There's something going on. But I, usually, I, that's I, yeah. what I said. <laughs> I'm old, Todd. I make it to wasteland every show. You don't. I, know, I, stay up I took up for you. I defended you. Bless you. <laughs> so I want to thank you for coming on. And then I'm going to let them go. So all right, Pete and Todd had to go because Todd's being a little. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta get on the road. And then Jared, Jared with the magical crashing computer. See, I thought yeah. he, was, I thought he was mad at me. I thought because I wasn't letting him talk, he he hung up on me. No, no, no. Literally, like I said, my computer has just been it's it's been crashing, and it 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 really sucks. Um, my computer is nine years old though, so it's <laughs> I think it's finally starting to say no more, no more. Um, I don't know though. What are you I, I running? Are you what are you running? XP? Vista? Yeah, I'm running XP. It's uh, this is a, a, a gateway ESX 500s from uh, 2002. I, okay, I don't know what that means. I mean, the the ESX and all that gateway. I, I've I've got an old computer myself, and XP runs perfectly for me. It's just if it was Vista, I'd say, well, there's your problem. Vista's a Vista's a piece of shit. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Seven Seven is a a little bit better, but I don't know. I it's just all of the all of the new stuff in in um, seven um, that that just makes me it, it it just confuses me to no end. Britney but Spears, no. Britney Spears is more stable than Vista. Come on, <laughs> buzzing. <laughs> I had to. I hate Vista. I really do. Oh, you and you and thousands, well, millions of other computer users hated Vista, so that's why that's why they quickly released Seven when they did. They uh, Seven was the uh, Vista fix. Well, so before your computer crashed, Pete's a pretty fun guy with a lot of history, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's definitely got a lot of stories. Um, although I don't think I would uh, share that uh, that I got a ten dollar hooker. <laughs> oh, he's <laughs> talked about way worse than that on his show. <laughs> But uh, he's talked about way that's nothing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, a lot of what he said uh, was really intriguing about uh, like Forty Second Street and and uh, exploitation in grindhouse theaters, you know. So that was so that was uh, really intriguing. Uh, I just, for me, I just don't know if I would, if, if you know, given the option, yeah, I'd, I'd check. I'd check out those theaters every so often, you know, wave hi to the hookers and everything else like that. But I don't, I don't think I would like frequent go, them, go there on a regular, get to know the hookers names and <laughs> you know all that. See, I'm the opposite. I, I'd be down there. 
I'd be knowing their blood types by the time it was over, you know? <laughs> so on that note, we're going to say good night. We're, we're going to see if we can get Brad back for next week because I think we're allowed to say the snob movie starts shooting either next week or the week after, so I don't know. Yeah. So for the next couple of episodes, I don't know what Brad's status is going to be from week to week or whether he's going to be on the show or not because he's going to have a lot of other things on his head. He is. He really is. Uh, and and uh, I But mean, you're going to be here next week, right, damn it? Well, I don't know. I mean, because that's just the thing. I'm, I'm going to be helping out on that movie, so we'll just have to see we'll we'll have to see what happens what goes on um what what the sh- schedule is like uh who knows in the next couple of weeks we may have to like run reruns no 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 don't no, trust me i i'm proud of the fact that we've never had a rerun well then what are we going to do if if neither one of us can make it i'll either fly solo or or uh, i'll find a guest host all right yeah that'll work too uh, I, I jared you're easily replaceable <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so, uh, on on that note, say good night. Good night. Good night. <laughs>